from KDNK Community Access Radio in Carbondale, Colorado, in the United States. This is program number 36 of the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. When blind people go places, we don't experience things like our sighted traveling companions. We don't see beautiful mountains or romantic sunsets. The goal of this program is to identify and even create experiences that are more meaningful for us and our sighted traveling companions. Frequently, as people lose their eyesight, they become more and more isolated. The tactile traveler not only literally hopes to empower people to go around the world, but around the block to new adventures in their lives. Blind ranges from people who are visually impaired, and glasses and contact lenses no longer allow them to lead a normal life to people like me, who are totally blind, to sighted parents with blind children, blind parents with sighted children, and blind parents with blind children, and people of all ages, interests, and physical abilities. On today's program, Blind Surfing, getting a free permanent National Parks Pass for people with any kind of permanent disability, a free Christmas tree for fourth graders, an update on the six-dot dash, how to hold a party without pressuring people to drink or drink more than they'd like to, and Christmas greetings from all of us at the Tactile Traveler. Good morning, everyone. We're at the UN Adaptive Surf Competition. This is day three of the competition here in Oceanside, California. We have our visually impaired women going out right now. This is the VI2 division, so they have some usable vision. And the green jersey is Ling Pai, who is Team Canada. Big storm coming through, but the, the waves are not. I have a disease called dominant optic atrophy. It's genetic. I was diagnosed when I was 14. It essentially causes the optic nerve to degrade and I will suffer vision loss or I do suffer vision loss over time. So when I was diagnosed when I was 14, I could still see quite a bit. Now it's declined to the point where I'm seeing on the Snellen chart 2200 and 2300. I have extra blind spots in my visual field and I don't see color the same way as a regular person. I was I was starting to lose quite a bit of my vision, but I was still traveling quite a bit. And I was in Puerto Rico at the time and decided to take a surfing lesson. That was 10 years ago, and I just really enjoyed it. After that, I continued to take surfing lessons. I would find surf camps in different parts of the world and sign up for surf camps and hope that they would be able to help me. And I did that for several years. And I only really started surfing consistently on a more regular basis about four years ago. Lynn Pye is one of the top visually impaired women surfers in the world. Surfing is a lot of fun, and I think 
anyone can surf. They just need maybe a little extra help. So if you are completely blind, make sure you have a guide. And if you're visually impaired, make sure you have a guide as well. And I think just because we can't see or we can't see as well doesn't mean that we're limited to not being able to do certain things. It may just mean that it requires a lot more organization and a lot more planning. When Ling says almost everyone can surf, she doesn't mean just blind and visually impaired surfers. Her husband, who's confined to a wheelchair on shore, occasionally guides her during competition and when they're surfing for fun. My husband is a T10 complete paraplegic and he surfs a wave ski. He surfs sitting down. So wave ski is a special board that you can sit in and you strap yourself onto the board so your lower body is attached to the board. There are able-bodied wave ski surfers out there as well. For Chris, it's a lot easier because he, he can't stand. He can't use his legs at all. But this way, he's still able to surf with a paddle. He's able to sit upright and perform maneuvers that other people can perform on a regular surfboard. I think when people suffer a disability or trauma, it's quite daunting to get back in the water. Um, But when they do, they're so happy and it's very freeing and therapeutic. For Chris, he's my husband. He surfed a little bit before his injury, but he really started surfing a lot more after his injury. It was in a way his, his way of rehabbing and going through all the psychological trauma as well. He found a he found surfing very helpful because he got out there and he did something every day and it was something that was different that he could that's not the regular day-to-day getting up transferring out of the chair he was floating in the water and doing something new and he really enjoyed that challenge people who are completely blind they will surf with a guide always and the guide will usually tell them where to go verbally the guide is also on the surfboard the current rules are that the guide can be on a surfboard a bodyboard the guy can swim out too if he wants to but generally the guide is on the surfboard ling says totally blind surfers use the guide all the time she has enough residual vision to do some surfing on her own if there are enough people surfing near her. When you're surfing, there's a there's a lineup. So sort of people, everyone sits where the wave is about to break. If you're sitting too far outside, too far away from the lineup, the wave sort of just rolls under you. When you're right at the lineup and you're at the right spot, you'll feel the drop of the wave. So you'll sort of feel that fall underneath you. I've learned to sense that, I guess, more so that I'm not relying on my eyes as much. However, with that being said, it's also very easy for me to get caught in a bad spot because I don't see the wave coming. So I've also learned to watch other people in the lineup. So I still see enough that I can see outlines of other surfers if they're close enough to me. I can't tell who they are because I can't see their facial features. But I know that if everybody is paddling out, I know it's time for me to paddle out as well because there's probably an outside set coming. And if I don't move fast, I'll get crushed by a wave. Mary Murdoch, who lives in Hawaii, had a stroke five years ago. 
It left her with an unusual vision problem. I guess I call myself half-blind because I have no left peripheral vision whatsoever, so I only have about 95 degrees of vision left. And, you know, most people have, like, what, 180? From my pupil, my focal point, wherever I'm looking, everything to the left is gone. It's not black. It's just not there. The best way that I can describe it is if you put your hand behind your head, you can't see that, right? So that's that's kind like what it is. I can put my my hand right in front of my face and I can't see it until it gets to the midline directly in front of my nose. Mari just started surfing with the help of Access Surf Hawaii. I've been going to Access Surf for the last four months now, and I'm absolutely a lifer, is what they like to call me. Really love the organization there. Really, really awesome. Very supportive, very encouraging, and it's just, yeah, it's an uplifting, really fun way to kind of bring confidence back to somebody who lost level of sight or just any disability, really. They work with all sorts of people that have disabilities, and it's just incredible to see the with smiles on people's faces and the warmness that it brings to their heart. It kind of slowly builds your confidence, or at least that's how it worked for me. It's tandem surfing, so it's very safe and controlled environment. They have water safety teams. They have transfer teams. They have all sorts of different people assisting. So the first time, I literally just laid on the surfboard. And then the second time, I was like, ooh, I kind of want to try maybe getting up on my knees or maybe even standing today. The gentleman who was on the surfboard with me, he was like kind of coaching me along the way. I'd hop up on my knee and he's like, okay, try putting one foot out and you're on one knee. And then he'd be like, try and stand up now. So I did. And I stood up, I think it was three times. Mari expects to surf on her own surfboard next time. Like many visually impaired people, Mari is extremely sensitive to light and the sun. She usually wears very expensive glasses and sunglasses with prisms, which she can't wear while surfing. The sun absolutely kills my blind side, and it sometimes starts to cause a headache in a way. makes me a little bit dizzy. I was squinting and smiling the whole time for sure. If you'd like to learn to surf, search the internet for accessible surfing and blind surfing or a surf school or surf camp where you'll see if they'll teach you. Kaylee Romero suggested and co-produced this story. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. As I mentioned in the opening of each program, as people lose their eyesight, they frequently become more and more isolated. The goal of the Tactile Traveler is to get people out of their apartments and homes. Congress even goes a big step further to help people with all kinds of disabilities experience the outdoors. They created the America the Beautiful Passes program. The America the Beautiful Interagency Access Pass So within the America the Beautiful Pass series, there are many different choices. The Access Pass is a free lifetime pass that is eligible for any U.S. citizen or a permanent resident with a permanent disability of any kind. Jamie Richards is the public information officer for Rocky Mountain National Park. 
Arlene Jackson is Director of Community Outreach for Colorado National Monument. The easiest way to get to it, or get it, is when you show up at the first place that you would like to use it at. Any place that charges the entrance fee should have these passes available. And the documentation that we need is a couple of different things that would work. A statement by a licensed physician, a document issued by a federal agency such as the Veterans Administration, Social Security Disability Income, you know, Supplemental Security Income some document like that, or a document that's issued by a state agency, such as a vocational rehabilitation agency, any of those types of documents are good. Essentially, what you're saying is you have a, a condition that that basically impacts your life and it's not temporary. It's something that's gonna continue for your for, for your lifetime. I was working at another place back in Missouri and the person says, I could take off my leg if you'd like. And I'm like, no, not necessary. We can get you signed up. <laughs> so the, the, the documentation is there to keep honest people honest. But like I said, there is, you know, there is an affidavit that, that says that you know, I have a, a disability that affects one or more of my life functions. and that, that that will do it fine. In many sites, in addition to that, if you happen to show up and you don't have one of those documents, some sites will allow you to sign an affidavit, basically stating that you have a disability. The pass is good for more than just national parks. All of the America the Beautiful passes are good at any federal area that charges an entrance fee. Primarily, those are National Park Service sites, but they're are some uh, U.S. Forest Service, Bureau of Land Management, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, Army Corps of Engineers, um, sites that charge an entrance fee that the pass is good for. The pass is good for more than just the pass holder. And whoever's driving the vehicle and the rest of the folks in the vehicle all get to come into the park for free. Some sites, traditionally more the historic sites, where you pull up to a, a visitor center and you park, they will charge you the entrance fee as you go into the building. And then it's the person with the card and three additional adults. It's not free for commercial vehicles and buses and things like campgrounds. Rocky Mountain National Parks, Jamie Richards. This, this is a free pass that covers your park entrance fee. It does not cover camping or other amenity fees. There are discounts typically on a lot of fees. So it's always a good idea to ask when you show up at the park is what does the access pass cover today? But as far as the park entrance fee, the $35 vehicle entrance fee at Rocky Mountain National Park, for instance, that pass would cover that fee. In addition to your pass, bring an additional ID to prove the pass belongs to you. There have been people who tried to use other people's passes. The American the Beautiful program has a number of additional passes for seniors, vets, people under 62, and foreign tourists. These are your public lands, and the America the Beautiful Interagency Access Pass is a way so that people with disabilities and their families can come out and enjoy the great outdoors. Lydia Eckerd helped with this story. The National Forest Service has a way to make your Christmas a little merrier. Joanna Belmont explains. Most national forests 
have special Christmas presents for you. If you're in fourth grade, it's a free one-year pass from September 1st to August 31st of the year you're in fourth grade. You can get it at any park entrance of parks that charge an admission fee. The second, a free Christmas tree. There is a catch, but it's a good one. You, or at least the people you're with, have to cut it down yourselves. But don't just run to your nearest national forest and start chopping down trees. You have to sign up for a free Christmas tree permit online. Do that by going to a kid-friendly computer page. Sure, so it's it's part of a larger program called Every Kid in a Park, and that allows fourth graders to get you know free, free passes for various things like national parks and, you know, entrance um, for national parks, that kind of thing. And included in that, they can get a free Christmas tree permit from the Forest Service. And that's available. You can get permits online, www.recreation.gov. And you just type in Christmas trees when it's asking you what you want to do. And you'll see an option there for the Every Kid in the Park pass for the Christmas trees. That's David Boyd for the White River National Forest. Your permit will designate where you can get a tree and what kind of tree you can cut down. Thank you, Joanna. You're listening to the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. The very first story on our first program was on the Six Dot Dash, a 5K race in Littleton, Colorado, open to anyone to raise money for Braille literacy and scholarships for blind college students. Braille, which makes it possible for blind people to read with their fingers, is a series of cells with one to six raised dots, which are used to make up Braille letters and punctuations. It was the first year for the Tactile Traveler but the second year for the six-dot dash. Entering for the second time was then 92-year-old Eileen McMahon, who's legally blind from macular degeneration. Delfina Rodriguez, who is one of the officials at the first race, says they thought the race was over. They were wrong. Oh, I originally was handing out medals. We were done with that. We'd been done with that for a while, and we were just all sitting around, hanging out, talking. And all of a sudden, we look over, and there's Eileen coming up, finishing. She did not give up the whole time. It was so great. Walking in 96-degree heat, 35.6 degrees Celsius, Eileen suffered from good judgment and got a ride for the last mile, which included a very steep hill. Uh, if it was a cooler day, I know I wouldn't have any trouble because I've been outside a lot. Now older, I'm 95 and a half. Eileen raced again, this time in chilly weather and very light rain, and she finished. I, it's something I planned on. I set a goal for myself, and this was in my bucket list, and I was so glad it wasn't raining or hot. If it would have been hot, I couldn't have done it because I get overheated. So I'm glad we had nice, cool weather. Blind racers, depending on their degree of residual vision, follows a guide, are tethered to a guide, or holds their guide's arm. Eileen had help from three people who told her what's ahead of her, like curves and turns. Oh, 
well, I, I enjoyed it. I had my daughter and my son-in-law, and then this beautiful uh, Annie came and helped me, and she's got my backpack. Now Eileen's looking for someone who will teach her to play blind golf. Under the Americans with Disabilities Act, you should be able to bring a guide to almost any race you'd like to enter, without having to pay a separate entrance fee for your guide. Your guide probably won't get a free race t-shirt or a goodies bag. Mario Eckerd helped with this story. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. December is party time, when many of us will be hosting parties. Many of us have learned that a good host or hostess goes around refreshing their guests' drinks. That can be awkward for people who don't want to drink more. We are rerunning a condensed story from Program 13 on how to be a more modern hostess or host. We have some tips on how to hold a party without pressuring people to drink or to drink more than they would like to. People feel less pressured to drink when they serve themselves. So when you greet your guests, say, welcome. This table has alcoholic drinks on it, and this table has non-alcoholic drinks. Serve yourself. Delfina Rodriguez teaches home management at the Colorado Center for the Blind in Littleton, Colorado. I think anytime you have a party, the simpler, the better not only for blind people, but even for sighted people. So if I have maybe a sweet and sour and a Coke or a Sprite to choose from, then that's easy enough for me to mix. Delfina says you can keep things even simpler by only serving packaged drinks. We're very familiar with what a bottle of beer feels like compared to a bottle of wine, compared to a bottle of soda. Since we can't see how much we're pouring while mixing drinks, we have to find another way. I usually do it by pouring liquids over my finger. I mean, everybody's got their own technique, but if that works, that works for me. Like I, So I do a couple of things. So I'll, I'll pour over, or I don't necessarily pour over my finger. I put my finger in my glass kind of close to the um, top of the rim so I can feel it when it gets close enough but then also I do this little technique where I this sounds weird I bounce my glass up and down a little bit so I can feel the heaviness of it and it's pretty easy even in with plastic cups like a lot of times you can feel so if you if you pour it in something cold you can feel that on the outside of your cup as well as it kind of creeps up the side a little bit so I think there's a few things you can do whatever works for the guests works for them you know not everybody's the same You'll find that separating alcoholic drinks from non-alcoholic drinks and having guests serve themselves will not only reduce pressure for guests to drink more than they wish, they'll drink less, which will save you a whole lot of money. And I'll drink to that, but I'll pour my own, thank you. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. It takes a lot of people to make this show possible. All of us are volunteers. I can't read Braille, so Leslie Steffens reads scripts to me on the phone from Denver, Colorado, part of a sentence at a time, and I repeat them. 
and then edit them all together. Pat Conroe, Debbie O'Leary, and Blair Northwood also read scripts to me, and Pat and Debbie have helped me with stories. Jason Struther, who lives in New Jersey and Seoul, South Korea, and also does stories in other countries, does stories for National Public Radio, Voice of America, and other network produces his own stories and gives me tips and story ideas. Joanna Belmont and Lydia Eckert help me cover stories. Debbie O'Leary's daughter, Sarah Williams, transcribes our programs for our deaf listeners. And Sarah's daughter, Sophia Williams, helps with stories. Lorraine Hutchinson helps with story ideas and finding sources to interview for those and additional stories. Kaylee Romero, who lives in Hawaii, does our post-production and has started to co-produce stories. And Raleigh Burley made the show possible when he was program director at KDNK, and I produce, edit, and host the program. We all appreciate you for listening and supporting the program, and wish you the best Christmas ever and an even better New Year. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. Why, it's my talking scale, reminding us that we'd like you to weigh in on how we're doing. Please send us an email to the tactile traveler at gmail.com. We spell traveler the American way with one L. We'd also like to hear your story ideas from all over the world. Please send us an email with story ideas in the subject line to the tactile traveler at gmail.com. If you'd like to help underwrite this program, please send us an email with underwriting in the subject line to the tactile traveler at gmail.com. Transcripts of this program are available for our deaf listeners by searching the Tactile Traveler in any search engine. This program is also being broadcast on the Audio Information Network of Colorado and in additional states. It's also available by typing the Tactile Traveler into any search engine and available wherever you get podcasts and by asking your smart speaker to play the podcast The Tactile Traveler. We'd like to thank the following people who helped make today's program possible. Be My Eyes Microsoft Accessibility Tech Support, Apple Accessibility Tech Support, Leslie Steffens, Blair Northwood, Pat Conroe, Lorraine Hutchinson, Debbie O'Leary, Sarah Williams, Sophia Williams, Kaylee Romero, and Raleigh Burley. This has been The Tactile Traveler. Empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. This has been a production of KDNK Community Access Radio, Carbondale, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs>